When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. In the heart of draft season now, we're talking about the safeties tonight. Joining us, Kevin Ostriker. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well, Ken. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Well, great to have you here. And we want to talk about the safety need for the Baltimore Ravens. I, I like to make draft coverage of anything very Ravens-centric. So to talk about what do the Ravens need to start. So I think the appropriate thing is just is to talk about first, what do the Ravens really need if they're drafting a safety? Yeah, it, it's someone to me, Ken, who I think can play a bunch of different roles. But Throughout the 2020 season, the Ravens really missed having an Earl Thomas. Now, obviously, Thomas was cut from the team for reasons that I think ultimately helped in the long run with all of his issues with his teammates. But they missed that presence of having an Earl Thomas playing in a single high role. And there are a bunch of players in this draft class who I think can fill that. And a bunch of them can double as doing a bunch of other things. Some can play in the slot. Others can play dime. So they have a bunch of different skill sets to pick from. And I define safety in this draft for the Ravens as a sneaky need. It's not at the top of their list, but I think it still is a point of emphasis, especially because they weren't really operating with a ton of bodies at safety. So I think overall there's a lot of need, but it's not at the top of their list. 
Right. Yeah. Obviously, the, the the lack of a third safety really hurt the Ravens in 2020. A greatly reduced number of dime snaps from 42 percent down to under 16 percent for the whole season. Uh, the, the the Chris Board's weakness in coverage. And it's hard to pick on him because all of the inside linebackers didn't do a particularly good job in coverage. Fort was probably the one exception who was OK, but but the rest of them were absolutely not OK. And they really would have would have benefited from having a third safety who could play in a dime package. In in that case, the best choice might have been a third safety who can play on the back end. And the reason I say that is because you want to be covered in case of injury. And you already know that Clark can move up and play that dime role because he already had the best season ever by a Ravens dime in 2019. So I think it'd be okay to have him move up into that role, even though there might be some small additional amount of injury risk um, to doing that. Elliott could also do it. And again, I, I, I prefer to have him on the back end as well. Uh, but, but I think the Ravens need either comes from having a guy who can distinctly play the back end. And for that, I want a free safety. I don't want a strong safety. And then also, uh, they have a need at dime. So I'm going to break down my selections here into a top 10, which I know you've got as well. And we'll go through a top 10 methodology then. And then also, I have a number of dime guys that I want to talk about because that's just an Ozzie Newsome thing to go and get a dime real cheap in the draft. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, they, they have their options. I mean, when looking at a top 10, there are a bunch of guys who I think not a ton of top end talent. There There isn't mm-hmm. this guy who's like the be all end all, this stud going to be at the next level. There's not that guy, but yeah, they still agree. have a ton of options that they can choose from. Yeah. And it, it is in looking at this class. I mean, we've we've you know had this conversation briefly in the in the production meeting, but uh, there, there just isn't a Derwin James in this class. And there isn't a um, uh, uh, Steelers guy. Now I'm forgetting him. Micah Fitzpatrick in this game, in this class. There isn't that one guy who's going to work out to be the free safety generationally. That's obvious right now. If if he is there, it'll be somebody who emerges at the pro level. And uh, I think that's interesting to talk about. So we're going to start by the top 10 here. And Kevin, take us through your number, starting with your number one guy and work down. And when you miss when you miss one on my list, then I'll say, well, I had number whoever at number five. Yeah, my, my first guy is Javon Merrick, the safety from TCU, someone who will slot in as a free safety, I believe, at the NFL level. He had seven interceptions in his college career at TCU, so he is that ball disruptor. It has a bit of physicality to him as well, but does need to improve in some areas like run support and I mean, overall, there probably might be a chance that he falls to Baltimore 27. I think there could be a team that takes a chance on him earlier. He also could fall into the second round. I don't think he's going to be there at 58. But if the Ravens really feel like they need a safety and they love Merrick as a player, I wouldn't be surprised if they took him at 27. I expect them to take some some value safety in this draft, but it would surprise me if it was Merrig at 27. It would surprise me perhaps even more if it was a trade up for Merrig in the second round. It'd be more likely a trade down from 27 if they thought they could get him at 45 or if they traded down to 45 for value and they, they then had him available surprisingly to them. Uh, I think then that is a possibility, but I don't see him as a, as a real option at 27. Uh, while he does fit the need exactly as being a guy who can play free safety can certainly play the back end gives the Ravens a third safety gives them a developmental option in case they lose to Sean Elliott next year I think there's lots of positives about him Uh, I think he works better actually with a team that wants to make use of a rotating two or three safety alignment whether they're going to play a lot more dime rotate their guys there's not one particular guy 
Um, you know, Merig is a guy who can do a lot of things for you, and 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 Elliot and Clark certainly are those. Um, when Dean Pease was here, he really liked to have more of a switcheroo game going on. Other other teams, though, the Pittsburgh Steelers, other teams play a lot more disguised coverages than the Ravens do. I think the Ravens, um, you know, are more likely to have each of two safeties blitz a little bit, but they still have a more of a defined free safety look with Deshaun Elliott, and I think that's what they'll stay with this year. So I think they get less value out of a player like Mayrick. Yeah, I think there are bigger needs, and I think there will be better players that fit Baltimore's system at other positions available, whether it's offense or defense, at 27. And if they decide to trade out of the first round completely and trade into the mid-30s, maybe early 40s, I could certainly see them taking a guy like Merrig. And I don't know if that justifies the selection just because, as you mentioned, there are players later who I think provide really nice value. And so if they trade back and trade into the 30s or 40s, they can get a couple of really nice players in the second round and then pick a guy in the third. And we'll, we'll talk about those guys in a bit. But still, mm-hmm. Merrick is a phenomenal player, and I think he's going to be a really solid player of safety at the NFL. All right. And he was number one on my list also. So go ahead with your number two guy. Yeah. My, my second guy, Javon Holland, is is somewhat of a do-it-all player. He he's, primarily is probably going to line up at free safety at the NFL. I think that uh, he also has ability in the slot. He played in the slot a lot at Oregon, and he did not play during the 2020 season. He opted out. And, you know, there have been a lot of opt-outs. There were a lot of opt-outs throughout the entire college football landscape. Mm-hmm. And whether that scares away teams to certain guys and attract them to others, who knows? But I think that Holland has the potential to be a very solid player. I mentioned that versatility, has really fluid hips, nice agility, and I think really nice body control as well. Someone who could, again, align in a couple of different positions for this ball more defense. There's a couple of things I really like about Holland. He's also my number two guy. Uh, he recently kind of addressed any of the speed issues that might have been tagged to him with a 446 at his pro day. I'm a little bit skeptical of all the readings this year, but we got to start somewhere is, is what I just say with a lot of these. So 446 will get the job done. If it's really 452, I think that's probably still OK. Uh, but 446 will definitely get the job done. Very good ball skills. You mentioned some of that. Um, here's another big thing thing for the safety group. And there is a lot of age variation, and in particular because with the very common body type, it's more likely that you redshirt as a freshman at the position without having tremendous athletic talent. Um, We have a lot of players that are of disparate age at the safety position. So there's a lot of guys who are 23 pushing 24. And by the way, Ed Reed was that age when he came out of Miami. Um, And there are other younger guys. And the younger guys have a big advantage. They they have a much better chance to get a good second contract out of those guys. So if you're already planning for that, you kind of can scheme for it. Whether you're going to lose them or whether they're going to sign with you, it's still better to have a better player at the end of that first contract. One of the reasons I didn't like the Hayden Hurst pick, of course. Um, but Javon Holland uh, has just turned 21. He's about two and a half years younger than Grant, uh, which is uh, a reason why I have him ahead of uh, ahead of Richie. Yeah, and, and I think for me also, he, he's displayed a bunch of traits that I think the Ravens really value. I think, again, something that's really big here is his slot ability. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the Ravens just can't rely on Tavon Young for a full 16 games anymore. It's really nice if he plays it and like that's your ideal scenario. But mm-hmm. if he goes down again, you don't want to move Marlon Humphrey back into the slot on a pretty regular basis. You want to have another option. And it's not ideal. Obviously, you don't. there are going to be injuries in the NFL regardless. But with Tavon Young, three season-ending injuries in five years, it's time for the Ravens 
Ravens to invest in an injury replacement because in all likelihood it might happen again where he gets injured. So Holland, I think, provides a nice option for that as well. I mean, it's it's a great point that they need a backup for Tavon Young, but I would prefer that guy be a slot corner slash outside corner rather than a slot corner slash safety because the Ravens only have two safeties they trust right now. And we didn't really talk about this in terms of the Ravens need, but the re-signing of Anthony Levine is a little surprising to me, but I hope it means good things. They, they re-signed a player who, if he cannot physically play safety this year as a pure special teams guy, I think we're past the point in the NFL where you can have those guys on your roster that are exclusive special teams guys. And the Ravens have now two at the safety position in Richards and Levine. I think what I, what I interpret from this is that they really believe Levine can go out there and play dime again, um, because I don't think they're really asking Richards to do that. And so if they do think Levine can play dime, then that really may say something about their willingness to even draft a safety at all, or whether what they might look at in terms of a developmental later safety, uh, you know, and it also may mean just... Uh, that either Richards or Levine may not have the security of a roster spot that you would expect of somebody who's just been signed at this time of year. I mean, just a pretty decent chance, I guess, that one of the two of those does not make it. Yeah, it it could be the fact that they're going to compete for one roster spot. And Mm -hmm. the Ravens, I think, if they were to draft a guy like Javon Holland, I think the output that they get from him is going to be much higher than I think Levine and Richards combined. So at the end of the day... I think that the Ravens do need someone at safety. They need to draft someone at safety. But I think the Levine signing, you're right, Ken, I think does kind of complicate it a little bit because we don't really know how confident the Ravens are in Levine's ability to go out there. Maybe it's super high, maybe it's not, and he's just going to be that core special teamer. And the Ravens, they they love their guys. They're loyal to their players, and that could have been another thing that goes into this as well. But I think Holland is someone who could, again, I agree, I think the Ravens should at least look at finding a slot corner who is a cornerback uh, there are a bunch of guys in this draft who fill that but for safeties holland is someone who could fill both a free safety role and a slot cornerback role if baltimore needs it yeah and and it's it's not a bad to have that but that's the that's the icing on the cake i want a third safety who can play on the back end it's the first thing i want i'll take the icing if that's also there um there is one thing i'd, I'd encourage people to be a little bit concerned about all safeties kind of have play some sort of slot role, whether it's covering a tight end or whatever. And what you may see for slot coverage snaps may not really mean slot coverage snaps the way you think of it. It may mean you're covering a split tight end and you're not covering Julian Edelman or Wes Welker in the slot. Uh, that's what you're really getting there. So you got to be real careful when you look at safety slot corner snaps. And, and uh, you know, it, it just they, they come in different flavors when they're in there. Uh, so I, I, Holland was also the next guy on my list number, at number two. Who's your number three guy? Yeah, we, we, we might get into some controversy with number three because I actually have Andre Sisko from okay. Syracuse as my third safety. And Sisko is literally like a, a splash play guy. He had 13 interceptions and 14 pass breakups in 24 games. He lit, It's like he's a ball magnet. He attracts the football. And he also is listed at six foot, 203 pounds. And he has nice athleticism and that size, which I think can really help. And he profiles as a free safety. Now, the drawbacks with Cisco is that he does need to improve on his technique. He's inconsistent while filling for the run and and has a couple of other, I think, issues in his game where I think he's more of a developmental guy. But I think that he could be someone who plays on the back end and just intercepts footballs and is that ball magnet. 
Well, we'll see how that plays out. Cisco went to my alma mater at Syracuse, and and I uh, like him as a prospect, not really for that reason. But he's coming back from an ACL injury, so in his case, it, it's a this is a more serious concern. He only played what two and a half games this last year, I think. Uh, he is one certainly one of the best free safeties in the game. Be careful with the 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 uh, interception slash pass defense. I saw the thirteen and fourteen, for example, on the College Football Reference site, which is probably where you got it because it's exactly the same numbers. But um, passes defense, all interceptions are passes defense is the general rule. I don't know how they're doing it there because it doesn't make any sense. You only have one <laughs> pass defense or it's not an interception. So there may be something funny going on with those numbers. And uh, and, and I'm not sure exactly what it would be. But uh, Cisco certainly a playmaker and uh, did a lot of very positive things in terms of getting to the football, making reads in college. Uh, the tackling issues were there. Um, I think that all that probably means for him is that he has to be a free safety in the NFL, and that's not such a bad thing. That's uh, that's uh, he he'll do very well there. He's the number five guy on my list. So let's uh, I'll, I'll go back to the number three guy on my list now, which is Richie Grant of UCF. I know he's he's probably near the top of your list as well. One reason that that Grant goes down on my list is he's going to be 24 in November. That's not a good thing. And, you know, it's just as an older player, you're less likely to get some good second contract values. But he's undeniably one hell of a center fielder. Uh, he ran a 453-40. I was waiting for to, to see how that would turn out. It just came out in the last week or so. Um, not great for a single high, but you can 453 with instincts is OK. Uh, you know, 46 with instincts, frankly, when when players get to be later in their career is fine. Um, he does a lot of things well uh, in terms of breaking on the ball and, and, and knowing when to go after it, trusting his reads. Uh, the other thing I really like and that could fit into the Ravens system is he's got some of that fruit punch mentality. He has five forced fumbles and four fumble recoveries in his career. And you like guys who want the football however they can get it. And we, we've had so much fun watching Marlon Humphrey, uh, you know, a, a similar player in that respect. Yeah, and for me, Grant is my number four. So he he was pretty high up on my list. But I do think that Grant can provide the Ravens a lot. And and you mentioned with the Hayden Hurst pick that, you know, that pick was because the he, Aiden Hurst was so old when he <laughs> came into the NFL. And obviously, you want to have a player who, you know, going into his third contract is not like 32 years old or something. So while Grant is a little older, I still think that the play he can provide on the field for the Ravens is certainly worth a look. And I mean, th- these these guys, Merrick, Holland, Cisco and, and Grant, I think all have a chance to kind of, there might be a mini safety run in this draft where you see these guys go off the board pretty close to each other and there are a couple other guys middle of the second round yeah exactly beginning of the third so the ravens if they want to capitalize and if they really feel like they want that guy in the back end or they want one of those top safeties in this class because i know it's not the strongest class in terms of top heavy talent but they still might need to invest a day two pick in a safety. And I think any of those four, the four that i've talked about so far we've talked about would be worthy of a day two selection for sure Okay, I have another different number four guy. So it sounds like it might be my turn here. And, and this is a borderline two, three guy. So it's, it's definitely not a, it's a likely second day pick, but not, not a guarantee even as Jamar Johnson of Indiana. Um, he has kind of an elfin build, uh, tall and thin. So I don't think he's, he's cut out to be a box safety, but then that's, of course, not what the Ravens need. They need a guy who can play the back end and uh, play split safety, play, play free safety, but not a guy who has to come up in the box a lot. Uh, 
uh, real good ball skills, uh, had issues tackling in college. The Ravens had Ed Reed on the field for a lot of years. He had some tackling issues as well. That worked out fine, so I don't really see a problem there. A 458-40, there had been a lot of talk, and he's like 6'1", 197, if I recall correctly, in terms of weight. I didn't actually type it out in my notes here. But that may preclude him from playing cornerback. That's really too slow to play outside corner in the NFL, which would be a logical position for him as well. Uh, And that really leaves free safety as the only spot where where, uh, he would make sense to me. Yeah, for me, he's a guy who's number six on my list, so Mm -hmm. still in the middle tier there. And Johnson, I think, has all the makings of being a quality safety in the the NFL. He does have a couple things to polish up on, but I think he has the ball skills to do it. I think he has the instincts to do it. I think he just needs a little more polish on his game. I mean, he has some physicality. I mean, that's something that I do like in his game. But overall, I would probably take a few guys over him before I'm committing to Jamar Johnson. Yeah, I, 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 you know, mentioning the physicality is a good one because he. There are a lot of players who come to the NFL and just don't adapt well to the size and speed of the game in some combination. And he's really on the border in both categories. He's not really the ideal shape, size and shape for the position. But if you move him out to corner, then all of a sudden he's too slow. And you know, it's a, he's kind of a classic tweenerism. Uh, so I, I'm I'm concerned about his ability to do that. But if he if he develops the instinct to play on the back end uh, I think he's got the speed still to do that and uh, and you know it's he's he's in a lot of ways he's a developmental guy and that may mean he's really not even worth a third round pick but uh, he was my number four guy of of them so let's go back to your number five guy as the next my number five guy here is Ardarius Washington the other safety from TCU and this is someone to me who jumps off the charts in football IQ I mean a very very smart football player great ball skills and Someone who I think watching his hips is is amazing because he just has such fluid hips, great transition in those. He also has the physicality to be a good run supporter. He showed that on tape a couple times. Again, I mentioned, I think the ball skills are an amazing part of his game. Now, Washington is 5'8". He's 179 pounds. He is a smaller prospect, but mm-hmm. hey, Earl Thomas was a smaller prospect too, and he had a pretty nice career in the NFL while it lasted. So I think that Washington, I, I, I'd pick him in day two, maybe early day three, I, I think that he does have those intangibles and a lot of potential as well. Okay, he's lower on my list, and it's it's mostly a size thing. So Ardarius was ninth on my list. Uh, it, you know, the, the the two things that it's TCU is the really good team to watch a lot of film on because they have two good safeties. Syracuse, the other, of course, but but uh, Cisco missed a lot of the season, so it wasn't as much there wasn't as much watching two safeties there. But but with Ardarius Washington, he's. If you thought Bob Sanders was maybe too small to play the position, Bob Sanders was also 5'8", but he was like 200, 5'8", 200. So he built like a brick and threw his body around, got injured all the time, but was a great player when he was healthy. Uh, Ardarius Washington is 5'8", 178. And trying to make that into a safety, I think, is going to be a lost cause. I think he'll end up at slot corner. Uh, I think that just makes too much sense for that not to be the case. I also think if you look at some sources going around the league, he is a darling of a lot of sites. And the the one that I'll pick on is PFF because they they pegged Geno Stone as their 53rd best overall player last year. And now they've got Darius Washington somewhere up in that kind of stratosphere this year. And I don't have the exact number on it, but it's way too high. The guy has too many physical limits 
limitations to be drafted in the second round. Um, he, he, he might go in the third round. He probably goes later than that. Um, I, I really think he, if for the Ravens to draft him, I think they've got to be thinking about him as the slot, the next slot corner after Tavon is done. And, and that's, a, that's a possibility. If they want him for that reason, I think you know, he'd be a reasonable, probably a fourth-round pick, um, if, if I were to say for the Ravens. Yeah, and size is certainly an issue in some situations. You know, you want to have a guy, and you mentioned Bob Sanders, which I think is a really nice comparison, because there are some of these guys in this draft class, not even talking about safeties, who have such a lengthy injury history already. Mm-hmm. But you look at guys who, you know, have been relatively healthy throughout their college career, but then you look at, you know, how, how will that translate to the NFL? Is a more physical game, a faster game going to impact some of these smaller Longer players? Season. Right, yeah. exactly. And that is a big concern. I, I For me, the reason he's number five for me is, I, I trust his ball skills. I trust his instincts. And I think he's such a high football IQ player that even if he does get injured here or there, which is probably likely because of his size, I still think that he'd be worth the investment if he is a late day two, early day three guy for them. All right. I do see him as a guy who kind of gets targeted on the back end. And there aren't too many players you target as the back end of a bracket, but you take your chances throwing into that sort of coverage more when you have a big receiver. So if you have Daryl Boston running a post route, you feel a lot more secure about it with our Darius Washington back on the back end trying to trying to bracket that coverage. OK, so let's see. You, you gave me your number five. That's our Darius Washington's your number five. Right. And so Cisco was my number five. We talked about him. So who's your number six? My number six was Jamar Johnson. I, I still think that he could be a really nice player for the Ravens. Obviously, I like the, the first five better, but this, this again, could be the safety run that we start to see. I don't think that there's going to be a ton of movement on safeties outside of maybe Trevon Merrick in the first round, maybe early second round. But now heading into the mid-second round, late second round, we could see the Holland, Cisco, Washington, Johnson, all those guys go in a pretty straight line. So I still think that Jamar Johnson has the traits to be a great safety in the NFL. I think he could fill a lot of the roles Baltimore needs, has a lot of the skills Baltimore needs. He is He's number six for me. Okay. All right. So my number six guy uh, is Trill Williams, the other Syracuse safety. Uh, So a lot of people like him. Uh, I think I like him more than most. I would put him in the third or fourth round is where he ends up getting drafted. I think there's a tremendous amount of upside here. So obviously both the Syracuse safeties have been outstanding kind of in consecutive years because Williams did it this year and and um, uh, Cisco did it in 20. 19. Uh, but but Trill Williams uh, played a lot of slot corner. I mean, he's covering a, a split player. Let's be careful about that. Um, he has that really nice size, 6'2", 198, that kind of runs the line between an aircraft courier, carrier outside corner, which he did play some at Syracuse, by the way, and a uh, kind of an undersized or an elfin frame for a safety, which also I think is okay. They've got the, Elliot on the back end is a has some of that same size. He's a little bit heavier. Williams will probably pick up weight as a pro. One of the real questions I had was about his speed, 442 at his pro day. So that really ranks up there with the best safeties in this class. Uh, there's only one guy I know that's actually faster than that uh, that, I've, that I've seen any kind of a time for. And I think that might have been a brother-in-law time. We'll get to him later. Uh, but he, he could be a guy, certainly, uh, who, who plays just about anywhere at the NFL level. But I think you know the, the team that gets him is going to want to probably try and commit to him being a free safety. 
Yeah, and for me, Trill Williams is on my list. He he's a little lower than than you have him, Ken, but very versatile player. And I think some people are projecting him at corner, others are projecting him at safety. And and I do view him as a safety. He can play both man and zone very well. And I do think that with the versatility he brings, I know we've talked about this, but being able to play corner, play safety. You know, the Ravens love their positionless defense, and I think that is where the NFL is ultimately moving, and it's moving there at a pretty fast pace. So when you have a guy in Shore Williams who, you know... At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Some people like him better at corner, sure, but he is athletic. He is super aggressive, which I think is both a good and bad thing in some cases. But still, he's a rangy guy, has a really nice physical skill set. I mean, he's someone who I think could fit. All right. All right. So that, he, he was my number six guy. We're now to your number seven. My number seven is actually James Wiggins. And I know... James Wiggins, <laughs> it's a little bit of a controversial thing here because James Wiggins, and he t- we talk about injury history. I mean, mm-hmm. very, very lengthy injury history. And for me, I think I'm overlooking that for now. It's a reason he's lower on my list than he would have been without the injury. But, you know, ACL injuries and meniscus things. But he is a really nice athlete listed at six feet, 205 pounds. And I mean, again, the versatility I really like from him it's a little bit of a question as to how he would fit in with the Ravens. I think he could do it, but I think there are probably better fits than him. Yeah, to me, I, I like Wiggins, but I like him on my other list. So he didn't make my top 10 as a, you know, one of the back end safeties. He, he's one of my big guys on my great dime prospects list. So I, I think he's a guy that if he drops into the Ravens price range is definitely a guy I'd love to get. Uh, love to get to Sean Elliott when they did. I thought he was an incredible value when they got him in the sixth round. Wiggins, is that's about where I think he'd be a value for the Ravens. I, I think he'd be a, a guy that I, they'd really love to have at that point. Last year, they got Geno Stone with a seven, and a lot of people love that value, including me. Uh, but uh, I think they'll—they—that's they, where I would like him. And I think his hitting style and some of what he brings, I think his limitations will be minimized if he plays that dime role, uh, where where it depends more on knowing your assignment, maybe using your back end skills to read the quarterback in that dime spot and limit passing lanes. Those skills are are not, I don't think, completely understood across the NFL, which is why a lot of teams are still playing two linebackers on third down. And it's it's something that the Ravens have a better understanding of, and they're going to be able to get their guy uh, who's who fits that mold. I hope. Okay, so that's your that was your number seven guy, right? Yes. Okay, so my number seven guy is uh, Devon Diablo. Uh, so definitely a interesting player. I'm sure he's on your list somewhere. Uh, let me get up to him here. Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, he is a monster at 6'3", 226. He really looks more like an inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. To me, he's an ideal dime in, in a sense. 
is that um, if if you want a big body on the field to play more dime snaps than are traditional, meaning you don't automatically do it in just passing situations, then I think he's an excellent guy to have basically as a hybrid dime slash weak side linebacker who's your second guy. And there's even some talk that he might end up as a weak side linebacker, and that that's where he ends up in the NFL. But but to me, uh, he's, he'll be significantly overboarded by other teams with alleged 442 speed we'll call it so it's a it's a pro day uh timing and we don't really know uh but i'm not 100 percent convinced that that he at his size that that extreme straight line speed will translate well at the nfl level yeah and for me diablo is my number 10 guy so he he is on my list but i think part of the reason why he is 10 and not higher is because i think He's a great guy if the Ravens do want that dime linebacker. But in terms of actually what the Ravens need at this point, it was the same thing with Wiggins. You know, I think the high end part of it is really important. And also, he is, I think, a little bit limited in terms of his athletic profile. I mean, you're right. He's an absolute monster at 6'3", 226. But I don't think he plays up to his weight class. I think that's been a knock on him. I think a lot of people don't really see the physicality as much as they would like out of him. And that's something that, you know, whether like Deshaun Elliott has that physical instinct, like he is looking to hit somebody every single play. I don't see that as much out of Diallo and with a guy who is 6'3", 226. I think I I just like to see that a little more. Yeah, that's fair. And and, and, and the, the, the distinction here is there's no way in hell Diablo is ever going to make it on the back end. He has to play in that dime role or he has to convert to linebacker full time. Those are really the only two possibilities for him as an NFL player. So if he if he converts the linebacker, great. But I think he's going to be he's going to be more greatly valued by somebody else. And, and another reason I think that is inside linebackers have been so overreached for in terms of the speed component alone. Uh, you know, in recent drafts, Bush and White, uh, Queen all fall into that category of, of players that were, frankly, very big reaches where they were taken. Uh, and, and White ended up being a great player, so maybe he didn't end up being a reach in, 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 in some people's mind. But, you know, the speed component of their game was the main thing that was there early, and people trusted that they could develop them as linebackers more. And, and that may be the case with Diablo, that somebody says, hey, look, we want to play more of a fast linebacker core, or we don't really give a crap if you call it a dime or not we're going to play this guy because he meets the skill set we want at the weak side linebacker position so um i i think some team will value him and i don't think that team will be the ravens that will value him enough to be the team that gets him yeah that, that's definitely a thing with diablo because they they do need a safety dime a dime guy is not as high up on their list as the high-end guy and so while diablo could be a fit you know, at the same time, you probably want to prioritize the guy who's going to be a better fit in your defense first before you go for the luxury. Yep. Okay. So we got your one through seven guys already, or do we, okay. Who's your eight guy? My eight guy, Sher Williams. I think he profiles in as that safety who could help the Ravens. Obviously it was Cisco's time to shine, but you know, we, we've already talked about him. So that's my number eight guy. Okay. So my number eight guy is uh, Tyree Gillespie. Uh, This is the guy who is, he could go just about anywhere. He's at Missouri, 438 at his pro day. Now, that's going to excite a lot of people, but I think a lot of people have the same kind of a smirk come across their face that you can probably hear in my voice right now when they, <laughs> when they see that kind of a time from a guy who kind of looks like him. He doesn't, he, he is, you know, he's a. Uh, uh, 
a more prototypical safety build who ran a 438. If it's if it's for real, hey, that's great. If it's if it's a brother-in-law timing, uh, you know, then some team might get might get really fleeced in terms of of uh, what they get out of this. Uh, it's interesting because I cannot reconcile. What I hear from other scouting reports, and to be honest, when I watch tape, even the obviously the highlight tape of Missouri, uh, you know, it, it's it's very difficult to to gauge straight line speed and compare that to game speed. But all the scouting reports seem to say this guy doesn't have the speed to play the back end. Well, four thirty eight, and that that just doesn't make sense. He probably doesn't have the instincts to play the back end. Would be something, or that time's not real. But one of those two. So so anyway, I, I he's on my list still. I think he's a huge gamble for whoever takes him, but you might be getting a special player if you do. Yeah, for me, I think Gillespie is a phenomenal player. He's not on my list, but I still think that Overall, you have a guy who could profile in a bunch of different roles. Now, is that role single high? I I think I profile him more as a strong safety. I think his physical profile is a bit better. And I mean, we just talked about Divine Diablo and how his physical profile isn't there. I think when I watched a little bit of Tyree Gillespie's tape, I see a physical football player who is more of an enforcer. Now, that's not to say he can't play single high because mm-hmm. he certainly has the the speed to do so or the time's not real, as you mentioned. Yes. So, I mean, the, the straight line speed versus game speed, there is a little bit of differentiation in it just because, you know, you have to take angles, you have to stop, you have to cut, you have to do all this different stuff. But I still think Gillespie could fit on the Ravens. I just don't see him as being the perfect fit. Well, it, it, this may be a case where the Ravens will know from their own scouting whether they think he can really play on the back end. If they decide he can't play on the back end, doesn't have the instincts, doesn't trust his reads, doesn't doesn't play up to his speed on the back end, they may stay still say, hey, you know what? We can convert that guy to be a dime because he's big enough and he has fast enough and, and maybe he has the short area quickness uh, to, to handle a short area zone and use some of his back end skills to get in the middle of passing lanes and read the quarterback better. You know, if he had some of that at least, you know, he could still be a good dime back for the Ravens. Of course, some other team is going to see that 438. They're going to draft him way ahead of that. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he's probably not going to be drafted by the Ravens where other teams value him just because of that 40 time. So at the end of the day, sure, you know, he could fill in a couple needs for the Ravens, but I think where he's going and going to go in the draft is going to be a little too early. Okay. So we, we covered through my number eight. Do you, who's your number nine guy? My number. So this might throw everybody for a loop because he's someone who I don't think a lot of people project as a free safety. But I'm going Kerry Vincent Jr. He, he primarily lined up at slot corner for LSU, did not play during the 2020 season. He's 5'10", 189 pounds. So as we kind of talked about with our Smallish. Darius Washington, a, a bit of a smaller prospect who that might not be as favorable for him at the NFL level, but he is extremely quick. I, I like how fluid he is and has that long speed as well as we just talked about a little bit with Tyree Gillespie. And I think that he is a nice cover guy. And we, we talked about a bit with Javon Holland, the ability to play both safety and slot corner. I think this is a bit reversed with Kerry Vincent Jr. Just because of the fact that I think more people do profile him first as a slot corner. And then yeah. we'll say, well, if he doesn't really work out there, he could probably work as a free safety. So let's transition him over there but I think that he has the physicality and the ball skills to be a very good free safety at the NFL level if a team does decide to transition him over there okay so the Ravens have gotten by with some very small nickels include Tavon but you can go back to Corey Ivy and others uh, in, in past years who've been you know smallish guys they ne- they really have not 
uh, in general, on the outside, had small corners. They've always been a length team and really tried to really try to stay big on the outside. To me, if I look at a player like this, I'm saying he can be a slot corner, but he can also maybe be a free safety. But there isn't much in between because he really can't play strong safety and come up and support the run reliably. Uh, at least I don't think so anyway. And and I don't think he would survive being a dime back either. There's too much crossing traffic. And, and the you know, one of the nice things you like is to have a little bit more physicality at dime so you can push a receiver off his route. And, you know, having some size there just helps a lot. So I, anyway, I, I, I think if if you draft Vincent, then you're making a choice that you you, you need free safety or you, or you need slot corner. It does happen that both of those work out for the Ravens. So it wouldn't shock me if they got him, he, but he didn't make my top 10. Yeah, and and this is a situation where I think Baltimore would really have to love the player and love his skill set because, as you mentioned, they're probably not getting much more than what he brings to the table. And sure, those skills can be honed in on and developed on with coaching and with time and with experience. But at the same time, you know, again, the positionless defense is something where the Ravens, I think, are moving towards very quickly. I mean, we've already seen it. The first series of the Cleveland game, Clayus Campbell drops back into coverage. I mean, all, all those crazy different sets, I think a player would probably fit in better who could do a little bit more than Kerry Vincent Jr. at the NFL level. But I still think what Kerry Vincent Jr. does and offers, he does it really well. Okay, so I, I, I look at that as pass rush scheme. And so that's what the Ravens are doing is that basically any of their nine guys that are not outside corners can rush the cornerback on a fairly regular basis. They can rush with either safety, either any linebacker or dime they put on the field. And obviously anybody who lines up up front, they'll rush off the slot corner, but they won't rush off the outside corner. Martin, that's been like a central tenet to what Martindale does. And a lot of the flexibility we see in the elements of deception really go through those things in, in terms of how often they drop to and they show a um, uh, simulated pressure. Sorry, I'm losing my mind here in terms of some words here. This is scaring me. <laughs> um, you know, how often they blitz from off the line of scrimmage and how often they stunt. All of those elements are, are, are part of that, you know, what you're referring to as positionless defense here. Um, I, 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 that will always be the Ravens way. I don't think they have to draft somebody who exactly fits that, but they do, they do need to draft a dime. But, but Martindale will, will scheme to have anybody who's playing in those nine positions be able to rush the quarterback, I'm, I'm still convinced. So anyway, we did my number nine guy already. That was Ardarius Washington. Who's your number 10 guy? My number 10 guy will round out with someone we already talked about, Divine Diablo. I think he does bring a nice skill set to the table, but we already talked about it. So we already know everything about him. <laughs> All right. So my number 10 guy, Jamie and Sher- Sherwin of, of Auburn. Uh, he's a guy who I think would be uh, Sherwood. Sorry, I mispronounced that. I think uh, really known as a tackler. Uh, certainly could be a dime for somebody. And I think he's one of those guys that goes a little bit higher in the draft to a team that wants to convert to more of a uh, a safety on more downs. So there are a few teams out there who want to play a safety on 45, 50, 60% of snaps. And those teams really value a player like Sherwood at a higher level. Uh, and I think he could help the Ravens if he's a round six guy, but I don't think they really ought to draft him before then to play a specialized dime role and and be a core special teams player. Yeah, and, he's, not, he's not a back end. Right. And I, and I think looking at that as well, you're, you're, we're, we're going to talk about dimes and we have been. But if the Ravens decide to go with uh, Javon Holland or Andre Sisko, someone who can play on the back end, 
when you get to round six, I don't see a scenario unless Baltimore is in love with a guy where they're going to take two safeties in this draft because I think right. they have other needs and I just don't think they're going to have the roster space, especially after bringing back Anthony Levine yeah. to potentially compete with Jordan Richards or, or however they do it. But at the, at the same time, getting a guy like Sherwood could help in some areas. I, I, I do think that he doesn't fill the again the skill set that Baltimore needs at this very moment and could be getting in a guy like a Javon Holland but he's also someone who's not going to go as high as Javon Holland so it depends on what they value what they truly think their needs are you know we could be overblowing this whole thing and saying the Ravens might say we don't need that guy we already have that guy into Sean Elliott and we trust a Sean Elliott but in reality they probably are going to draft a guy because they need that high-end guy but Sherwood is someone who does have a lot of potential and can play in a lot of different areas on the football field. Plus, he's 6'2", 220, so he does have the physical profile to yeah, be successful. But it's that's the reason why I don't think he's going to be on the back end. Right, I exactly. Really, I think exactly. He's, he's too big and a little bit too slow for that. Um, but but he, he's, again, another guy who, who really fits well as a linebacker. And, you know, you put him and Chris Bale, uh, Chris Board on a balance, I'm not sure who's heavier at this point. <laughs> and I'm not sure who's going to pick up a few more pounds and, and, may, and maybe still be faster. So, you know, we, yes, I agree with that. And I agree with the other point you made earlier, which is that the Ravens are probably only going to draft one safety. So if they if they fall in love with a really a free safety, I think, is what the what the key is, because they don't need a strong safety. They need a guy who can play undeniably on the back end and alone when needed. Uh, if they pick up a free safety, they're not going to pick up another guy and then move Clark down into dime as the third safety when they when uh, passing downs come up if they if they don't draft that guy they still need another guy who can play on the back end in an emergency because i don't think either richards or levine is that guy levine definitely is not that guy richards has, has played more recently there but he's still richards about 30 now and it's it's too late for him i think to go back to playing the back end uh, primarily so i think they really want a guy but nonetheless, I made up a list of six guys who I think really fit the Ravens in a in a dime only role, which would really be you get a dime back and a special teams player and you try and build a guy who's going to be with the Ravens for a number of years in a role like that. And, and you know, you, you, the next Anthony Levine, if you want to think of it that way. So I'll, I'll, I'm just going to run through my guys here that, that I really like. But I like uh, Chris Brown. Uh, he's a Texas. Richard LeCount, who I believe is at Cincinnati, right? No, Georgia. Sorry. Um, and uh, Jacoby Stevens of LSU. Uh, Tariq Thompson would be another one of San Diego State. Uh, Christian Uphoff, I believe he's Illinois State, and James Wiggins, who you mentioned earlier of Cincinnati. Uh, all guys who I think could play that dime role, have the short area coverage skills, can use some of what they've learned on the back end in order to influence passing lanes and do a lot of the things that Levine and Clark did well in 2018 and 2019, respectively, for the Ravens. Yeah, I think Wiggins would be a phenomenal fit. Obviously, I had him high on my other list, mm -hmm. but... I mean, he's someone who, if you look past the injury history, which can be tough, especially with the, the history that he has. I mean, the Ravens, just because Chuck Clark can play dime doesn't mean that they want him to do that all the time. Mm -hmm. And to add another playmaker to that safety room who can do a little bit of the stuff that Clark can do, but also play all around the football field. All those guys you mentioned, Ken, could be phenomenal fits. And I think, again, if the Ravens don't invest in free safety, they're probably going to take a safety and then it becomes, all right, who's the good dime fit for this defense and who could fill in a multiple position of roles? 
Yeah. And, and if the, you know, while I don't want a strong safety because I think that's where the Ravens are loaded up, if they did get another guy who is a strong safety slash dime, which is what a lot of these guys are anyway, um, then what it would mean is if either Elliott or Clark gets hurt, then either the one, the one remaining becomes the full-time free safety. And then you, you have your, your younger guy moving into that um, strong safety role, and he's going to have to play some split back end. That's just the nature of it. And, and you know, a Levine or a Richards or somebody is going to have to pick up on the front end and dime, probably a Levine um, and, or somebody else they'd pick up midseason. But anyway, I, I, it is a big need. I, think, I hope the Ravens fill their, their dime role uh, in, in this draft by whichever end, either they get a good free safety and, and somebody then is available to play dime or they get a good guy who's who's going to be a, a, an eight year Raven, two contracts or actually in a case of this, it's probably more like four contracts because you're having a bunch of two year extensions and, and starts as a uh, as a dime slash core special teamer from the very beginning. Yeah, and the Ravens already, and this is something throughout the entire roster, but I think when it comes down to it, Baltimore's probably going to have a roster crunch at safety, regardless mm-hmm. of who they draft, because it's probably going to be one guy. But the Ravens bring back Geno Stone, they bring back Anthony Levine, they have Jordan Richards, and plus Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott. If yes. you add another guy, that's six safeties, and that's a lot of safeties. So, you know, they only had, I think they had... They were playing with four for the most for most of the year in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, four or five on the roster. But they were very thin at times in the secondary, especially at safety. So when you look, yeah, at they, this, they didn't have a third safety they trusted to play defensively at all. So they, they had Gilchrist there for a right. while, and that was most of their dime stats early in the season. Then they just said, screw that. We'll leave Chris Board in the game and right. proxy safety. And, and they went with that most of the rest of the year and, and were very lucky that Clark or Elliott didn't get hurt. But uh, but Levine, they they had him out there in the second game of the year against the Texans. He played some. And I don't believe he played defense after that. But if he did, it was just a snap or two. Uh, Geno Stone was out there only for two snaps the whole year. So that was very disappointing to me that they didn't ever come to a point where they trusted him to play defense. We didn't talk about him early in the show, but I think he's the one guy they have on the roster right now who could step in on the back end and, and play. Well, that's certainly what his college pedigree was that's certainly who pff had tagged him to be as the number 53 overall prospect <laughs> was was that he could he could play the back end at least as a split safety maybe not as a single high and you'd have him in there on passing downs and clark could move up into the box so i i just i, I hope they find that value for geno stone whatever it is and, and can find a way to make use of him and i agree with you it's a it's a crunch if they drafted a guy it's it's six to make five at best and it might end up being six to make four Right. And with Stone, a lot of people talk about James Prochet and it's like, oh, James Prochet deserves this opportunity. He didn't really get to show it in 2020. Who take it from? Right, exactly. Well, Geno Stone, the same thing. You know, who will he take it from if somebody else is drafted on the back end to play that role? I'd assume if the Ravens draft somebody in the second, third round on day two, early day three, they're going to prioritize getting that guy playing time unless Geno Stone does really well in training camp, shows that he has the traits. So does Geno Stone get his opportunity? Because if they trust him enough, they might not go free safety or back end guy at all and might decide to just go with the dime guy. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, is a very reasonable possibility, and and uh, Stone is a second year guy, so he has real value to the Ravens as a guy they control his future for the next three years. So they've got to look at him with a with a clearer eye, a less jaundiced eye, as you know, in tax terms, than than they would look at either a Levine or a Richards, who is frankly a shorter term but surer floor. 
uh, player in terms of what they give you. you know, each of them, you're going to get good special teams play from either one of them. But Stone is the one who could be here for a while and possibly give you good, good safety play for years. Yeah, and that's the Ravens. They value their special teams, and and that's probably a reason they did bring back Anthony Levine. They still have Jordan Richards, but as you mentioned earlier, I mean, how realistic is it that the Ravens get the most value from roster spots with just guys who play only on special teams? And it's two guys, two safeties, who almost do the same thing. I, I don't think that's the best use of roster spots. Now, again, the loyalty thing, I get it. Like Levine has been in Baltimore for a while. Jordan Richards has had a couple of nice special team seasons. But if you have the opportunity to go out and get a, a back end guy at the at the expense of Jordan Richards roster spot or at the expense of something else like that, I, I think that's a worthy trade. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I think the Ravens will look at it that way. But, uh, you know, it is it's if I had to put handicap this, I'd say it's about 40 percent now that they won't draft a safety at all. Maybe about another 45 percent that they go the inexpensive dime guy with a very late pick. So they pick almost a, almost no draft capital goes to it. But they but they get a guy in the sixth round, seventh round that they really like who's still left on their board uh, there. And maybe about a 15 percent chance that they they like one of these high end guys enough to invest a day one or maybe even early day two pick on them. Yeah, and and even with Chris Board, how, how much are they going to play him in dime? Play mm-hmm. his, so all these different things have to go into it. And going into the off season, it really was the Ravens had Chuck Clark, Deshaun Elliott, and I think they re-signed Jordan Richards a bit earlier in the off season. So it was those three. And then you're like, all right, the Ravens definitely need a safety now. Like, they just don't have enough bodies. But then they bring back Stone and Levine. So now, as I, as I mentioned, the roster crunch five. starts to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there's still Nigel Warrior sitting on the practice squad right. from last year. So a lot of people think he's going to get his shot. I don't know how at this point, <laughs> frankly, but uh, uh, but we'll see how that works out. Kevin, always a pleasure having you on. Great discussion here about the safety position. Tell us, tell folks where they can find your work. Yeah, for me, I host the Locked On Ravens podcast five days a week. We're putting out content Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern time is when our content comes out. And also I write for Ravens Wire. So my content is also on there. All right. Outstanding. Uh, folks who want to be on a film study short, a lot of downtime coming up this offseason, particularly after the draft. We'll have some post-draft discussions and whatnot, but June, July are quiet months, and I am looking for great ideas to do podcasts about anything you're passionate about. Send me some, send me some information about that. Uh, filmstudy21 at Verizon.net or to my Twitter handle directly, which is at FilmStudyRavens. Uh, love to hear from you, and uh, I'd love to get you on there quickly if you have a, a great idea that you're passionate about. Kevin, thanks again for joining us today. Ken, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Yeah, a pleasure as well. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.